always wanted to know who the best player was on tour simply because I wanted to actually work as hard. And then I ran into a, a little guy by the name of George Knudsen out of Canada. And I watched him hit the golf ball. I watched him with the white stand, making the club back way inside, releasing the club. One of the greatest ball strikers I'd ever seen. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the McKellar Golf Podcast. My name is Lawrence Stonigan and before I introduce you to my co-host, Mr. Jeff Shackerford, a quick note for Christmas. It's that time again. Um, you need a gift for the golfer in your life. Not the golfer in your life, the nerdy golfer in your life. Uh, the nerdy, literate golfer in your life. Uh, go to McKellarMagazine.com and buy them a box set of McKellars. If you're listening to this, you've probably already got one, but you know, you know what? I buy one for your friend or buy one for your wife and introduce her to the wonderful world of world-class golf writing. Uh, that's mckellarmagazine.com. Uh, the other thing you should do is jump on Substack, subscribe to the Quadrilateral newsletter by my co-host, Jeff Shackerford. Bit of a, bit of a, not a lazy time for you on the quad, but um, at least you're, you're able to breathe in between newsletters, aren't you? No, are you kidding? We got more news than ever this time of year, but that's okay. I'm not complaining. I, I I'd rather have that than be searching for, in desperation for some some notes to fill up my weekly news and notes. But no, we have lots going on. And and by the way, uh, Lawrence, while we're selling, and not to compete with McKellar, but uh, the algorithms at Amazon have suddenly dropped uh, uh, the price of my current book, Golf Architecture for Normal People, to. Uh, Sixteen dollars and three cents. So I don't know what uh, they they detected a little extra stock. It's forty seven percent off uh, right now at Amazon. I don't normally uh, advocate purchasing from there compared to uh, your local bookseller, but there you go. There you if go. you're looking for another uh, gift, uh, uh, hardbound to go with those McKellars, it's uh, it's available at a great price, at least in the U.S. That could be the worst Christmas ever for somebody who doesn't like golf, wouldn't it? Your Get book and uh, McKellar. <laughs> please say, oh, come on, now, now, now. Anyway, we know it's the opposite. As you say, there is uh, an astonishing amount of news. We're recording this at uh, God very early on Wednesday morning, and already um, the big news we're waiting for, obviously, with pens poised. Uh, the New York Times uh, deal book uh, conference is oh, on later today. Yeah, it's right. got the, uh, uh, our good pal, uh, Mr. Tron Carter, uh, TC as he's called, uh, just tweeted out the lineup at the uh, at the deal book. It's the titans of American uh, corporate, uh, the American corporate world. Uh, Bob Iger, Elon Musk, Jay Monahan. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I was just thinking it's a bit like me teeing it up tomorrow morning at the Hero World Challenge. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting. It'll be uh, interesting to see uh, what Jay has to say uh, on the uh, Saudi stuff, especially in the light uh, of uh, Tiger's press conference at the Hero World Challenge yesterday. We'll come on to that in a second, Jeff. Just uh, get a couple of uh, news items off the book straight away. Announced this morning, uh, as predicted on this podcast weeks ago, but... Actually, everybody was was predicting it was the, the most open secret in the, the world of golf. Uh, Luke Donald reappointed as the um, as the captain of the European Ryder Cup team for 2025 at Beth Page. Uh, I didn't see the launch video. You did. It was apparently it was a classic. <laughs> he's Lawrence. He's putting his Rolex back on. He's zipping up his quarter zip. <laughs> Literally, that is the video. Like he's he's getting ready for battle again. He's got his. The only thing they didn't have was him putting the IFB back in the air, you know, and 
and reconvening as data analyst dodo and 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 putting uh, getting the band back together but um yes it was quite the quite the dramatic relaunch and uh, good for him and uh, he did a great job uh and he will uh uh probably not have as much fun at Beth age uh where although it's gonna be really hard for the people there to say terrible things to him but they'll find a way but he's he's hard to pick on so uh especially when his he did such a good job uh leading the team in italy uh, his best hope is probably the data analysts. If the American data analysts, the data analytics team discover that uh, wide fairways are required, then the fans will be a million miles from the action <laughs> and look, might be able to avoid the worst of the abuse. Uh, it reminds me of uh, going back to the what was that U.S. Open at Beth Page? Two thousand and nine. Ah, no, no. One, oh, no, you mean the uh, so, yeah, two? Yeah, two thousand two yeah, with Tiger well, and Phil well, in contention. Uh, and uh, Sergio, remember the the heckles yep. of Sergio. Hit the ball, waggle boy, stuff like that. Hey, Monty, eat a salad. All that stuff. That was uh, that was <laughs> very funny. Um, yeah, Luke Donald. Actually, uh, um, the spoiled brat had lunch with a, an old college teammate uh, of uh, Luke Donald yesterday uh, up at Meadow Club. And God, the story, the Luke Donald stories of his dedication, his competitiveness, and his skill and talent. Uh, he didn't hit it very far, Luke Donald, but my goodness, what a... What a career he made out of what he had. I think it was 56 weeks at uh, world number one. And I think we can, that Ryder Cup that just passed, we got a glimpse of just how competitive he is. So good on, good on him. Probably the best decision. The first repeat European captain since Bernard Gallagher, I think. Mm. Uh, I need to double check on that, but I think he yeah. is. Um, and I guess the aim is to try and win a Ryder Cup overseas. He could do the Ryder Cup a favour if he actually did that away from home. Um When's it? Any idea when the American captaincy is announced, or I guess it'll be after. Yeah, it's it's usually sometime in January, February. But um, it, it, if Tiger's involved, and and it might he might drag it out, or he might not. I I don't know. But yeah, I would expect after the the new year. Actually, did did this seem this timing seem right to you? It seemed a little uh, quick, but yeah, maybe not. I need yeah, to go I, back I, and look. The uh, oh, it's oh, actually, the Europeans are normally it's announced if you go back over the years, it's usually announced around the again, it's just a news management issue. The they announce it around the, the swing in Abu Dhabi and Dubai in January, February. It's usually announced around about then, yeah. Um, but uh, I'm guessing there was no there was no speculation. I well remember the years where. Uh, McGinley was trying to get it. I think it was around 2012, something like that. McGinley was uh, angling for the job at um, for 2014 in Scotland, and then Darren Clark jumped in at the last minute, and there was all sorts of drama. It was really quite fun, uh, all sorts of backstabbing. And then, even then, you think about it, Rory now ten years on, but 2012, Rory was a big enough name and a big enough power on the European Tour uh, tour to come in and put his foot down. And just essentially tell them that uh, Paul McGinley is my guy and he will be the captain. And that was the that was the end of it. Of course, the McGinley Clark relationship, I, I don't have no idea what kind of condition it's in now, but that that was a they were big pals for a long, long time. And that caused a real kind of friction between the two of them for years. And mm. um, turned out to be the best choice. McGinley uh, was a great captain, one of the best in 2014. Clark got it in 2016, but his campaign was sadly derailed by uh, Danny Willett's brother, 
<laughs> if you yeah. remember that one. Oh, oh my yeah. goodness. Anyway, we won't turn this into a Ryder Cup history list. Um, so congratulations to Luke Donald. Congratulations to the European Tour. Um, I think the best choice for, for both. Uh, we will see. Looking forward to that one. That could be a not that 2025 Ryder Cup, Jeff. Because, oh my goodness, that could be an absolute, oh, can't wait. Two years away, no, 18 months away or whatever, so yeah. 20 months away, counting down the hours. Here we'll crack on with the the biggest news of the week, uh, I think. I'm sure you agree. I was reading in the quad this morning, uh, Tiger Woods is returning to competitive golf. God knows where to start. Shall we start with the, the light stuff? Um, his swing apparently looks fantastic to all the swing gurus on on uh, Twitter, um, I, I don't know, Jeff, do you, do you have any views on Tiger's new golf swing? Uh, I thought it looked good. I did watch uh, the video that they're not supposed to post. I got in trouble at that tournament, so I'm a little bitter. I posted a beautiful swing video of Tiger, and the tour made me take it down. But they're able to post it, or certain preferred writers are able to post video of him swinging. And uh, the what I saw looked uh, excellent. Um and he only played nine, and he's he's. Uh, I thought he looked sensational yesterday. He, you just, you know, sometimes when you see him, he doesn't quite look healthy. And I thought he looked very healthy, happy. Uh, chose his words carefully, like he always does, but not not that carefully. <laughs> uh, yeah. But he he conveyed a tone on several topics uh, that was uh, noticeable uh, as to how he really yeah, feels. The, uh... Yeah, the pre I thought, I mean, I was thinking about it this morning, 25 years of Tiger Woods press conferences. Um, I'm trying to, even the even the 2010 press conference at the Masters, you know, the comeback uh, after the scandal, uh, you know, he didn't, you got the sense that it was very much scripted. I mean, he said quite a bit, I guess, uh, in the context, but it wasn't, uh, there was nothing off um, outside the guardrails. I thought yesterday's press conference, uh, um, uh, eve of tournament press conference uh, in the Bahamas was probably the most re revelatory press conference I I've seen from. I I'm sure there, might, there might be others, but that was. Uh, I thought it was uh, quite sensational. Uh, obviously, he didn't say anything. Well, feel free to step in and disagree if you like. Um, but he didn't say anything di directly. He said a few things, but I thought his um, condemnation of Jay Monaghan and the PG Tour leadership was quite stunning yeah I, i'm not sure i would say it was that magnificent i mean it was all a lot of talk about tour business stuff and uh, mostly and that gets really tedious i'm sorry after a while but uh <laughs> i would love to have heard him talk a little bit more about the Ryder cup his watching that or or the golf ball issue or uh it would have been nice there was a little more variety instead of just kind of the usual stuff about obsessing about uh what is a dying and imploding uh model and organization at the moment i get it it's a it's a big deal to a lot of people and and he certainly conveyed his disdain for the lack of communication by the team i don't but i don't know what the details are what he's referring to about uh, going forward and and protecting the 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 tour and the integrity of it, what that exactly means. I'm more confident when it comes to him that that means some things like maintaining cuts and and not just trying to mimic uh, Saudi stuff. Although I was surprised at how he kind of opened the door on team golf. That was fascinating. I think it feeds a little bit of a conspiracy theory that we've had that. 
maybe that someday those TGL franchises become yeah. BGA Tour franchises. But uh, yeah, he he's not a, a fan of the way Jay handled things, and it's clear Jay's on uh, a tight leash, and he's just there to to kind of serve it um, whatever they uh, ask for. And uh, uh, he's lucky to have a job, I guess. At this point, was kind of how I how I read his comments. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, some of the comments on the uh, the, the events of June the sixth, uh, we were frustrated with what happened. We took steps going forward to ensure that the players' involvement was not going. We're not going to be left out of the process like we were. Uh, so part of that process was putting me on the board and accepting that position. Yeah, you are right. Tiger is now the commissioner of the PGA Tour. Um, I'm, without the salary, I wonder if Jay's donating them at least half the salary or three quarters of the salary. Not that Tiger would need that. Uh, the, the one thing I would say, Jeff, I mean, there was repeated digs at Monaghan. Um, at what happened uh, with the, uh, as I say, with the framework agreement. It's quite amazing that I, I kept on reading this, and I, it's amazing that the Tiger Woods wasn't told. It clearly wasn't told in advance. I mean, we know that McElroy, uh, the extent of his frustration, he's he's chucked it, as we say in Scotland. But I, it's just mind-blowing that uh, Monaghan and Jimmy Dunn and uh, Ed Herley would go ahead and do this and not keep Tiger Woods in the loop. It's quite astonishing. It's a, it's a sacking offence, surely. Well, uh, Nadella had no idea that, that Sam, Sam Altman <laughs> was about to get canned at... <laughs> At uh, uh, ChatGPT, so I uh, or at OpenAI or whatever. OpenAI, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so uh, hey, it happens in 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 the biggest corporate stakes of all, possibly right now. So it it it's not a shock that they were. I mean, they were very in love with their secrecy element to this the tour that they put that whole article out that uh, they fed sort of to the, it, it felt like to the New York Times about how Jay was clandestine to make it sound like it. And uh, he was really uh, conducting this carefully and shrewdly and, and the world was watching. And of course, I think that article's really sort of backfired in that sense, but um, yeah, you, uh, you would have thought that some of these people would have gotten calls a little sooner. I think we know Rory got a heads up a week before uh, because we had some reports there that he was not looking real, chipper at the memorial i believe it was uh kind of came out of a meeting looking pretty dejected so uh he had some idea but yeah pretty strange and uh yeah. and now where we here we are and tigers in charge and and uh it's going to be really fascinating to see what what that exactly entails um you know but you're right there were a lot of digs i mean even that little comment about rory becoming the spokesman which i always make jokingly in the newsletter and on this show um even that i thought was a bit of a dig at at jay that that uh, rory essentially was walking because yeah yeah he, he was having to do somebody else's job and he wants to focus on his game so uh you read you read that answer about rory a little differently i think you thought it was a little more of a you felt a little tension or something there well, I, I thought, that, again, who knows? We are working. Yeah. At, I mean, I think we've kind of we've had quite a bit of insight on what's been going on over the last couple of months, maybe two or three months. But it really has uh, clammed up. There is uh, complete darkness ar around everything now. We're all guessing about why Rory packed it in. It does, again, I, I don't know. I can't remember if we've said it in a previous podcast. It seems odd that you would have a meeting 
into the night. Uh, you stay up into the night in Abu Dhabi or Dubai um, to to for this PG Tour Policy Board meeting, and then you the next morning you announce you're resigning. That seems very yeah. odd. Um, I, you, you'd have to be pretty naive to think that the two things were um, not connected. Um, so that seems a bit odd. I, I, I get who knows what goes on between Tiger and Rory, but I didn't think. I mean, Tiger was very obviously very warm and complimentary about Rory, but uh, you know, knowing Tiger, uh, I no, I, I I think I thought he could have been a little bit more effusive and warm about Rory. But again, what do I know? There is really no clarity about what's going on, how the relationships are. Well, there is clarity now between what Tiger thinks uh, of Jay Monaghan, obviously. I mean, Tiger himself, a quote from the press conference, he was asked about the, the future. Good question, actually. And Tiger said as much to Dylan, is it Dylan Dithier, the, the yeah, guy at sure. uh, Golf Magazine? Yeah, <laughs> great question. That's a great question, Dylan. And then proceeded really not to answer that much. <laughs> uh, he was asked what, what the, how the professional golf landscape will look in a year or two, and he said the answer is murky. Um, I'd have to say there's quite a lot of moving parts and how what we're going to do, whether it's on the PGA Tour or it's merging or team golf, a lot of different a- aspects that are being thrown out there all at once, and we're trying to figure all of that out and what the best solution is for all parties and all players involved. What about the world of golf itself? What about the fans? But we'll leave that to one side. The um, so it's it's a month to the deadline, Jeff. It's yeah, uh, thirty-one <laughs> point, yeah, thirty-three days to the deadline, and, and yeah. we are nowhere. I, 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 again, I, I think we pride ourselves in having a little bit. Uh, have you seen anything? Have you heard anything? And and how the negotiations no. are going? Who's who's? Yeah, it's. No, I it really I, is, uh, I think it's very obvious. Well, uh, one thing I did notice was Tiger seemed to be implying that deadline's a hard deadline in his mind. <laughs> mm. That's how I took his comments. Um, and uh, but I I I just feel like they're trying to run out the clock here. And and uh, I'm going to stick with that theory that they want to they want to pretend that they really want to make a deal. They're going to keep working at it. And so don't don't sign any players away uh, in the meantime. And I think that's why we have this curiosity over the potential for for John Rahm or some other names that have been floated uh taking the money and and going and and we know that would be the Saudis firing a bit of a a warning shot uh or or more really setting things up for a, a long-term uh, battle between the two entities I don't know did you see Jordan Spieth's attempted answer at uh wanting to work with the PIF <laughs> it was I, uh... it was it was just the greatest compilation of gobbledygook uh nonsense it made no sense uh it was i i, I found it entertaining to read so the, they just they uh, don't yeah. want they, this is a it's a mess they but they don't want to partner with saudi arabia i just think it's i think it's clear but i also think another thing that we have to keep in mind lawrence is that and this is i still believe why why rory walked and why rom is a, a possible defector i i just think we're looking at the group of people who got together in Delaware, as Tiger referred to them yesterday, the the Delaware group, um, they want to play golf in the United States. And yeah. and there are other people who view themselves as global golfers who grew up in other parts of the world and they view they want to see a global game. They get the concept. They feel it's an obligation. They think it's the right thing. It's very lucrative that way. They're more certain sponsors want them playing around the world. And I, I just think we have a. Uh, two different philosophies there. And, and um, it looks to me like the people who want to stay in the United States are the ones who are 
uh, winning on that front. And, and 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 part of it is just not in their hands. It's a media deal they have. The networks want them playing in American time zones on the weekends. And and until that changes, I, I think you're just going to have a PGA Tour catering to, to that, to the players and to the uh, media partners needs and and um, and I think the live live will go the other way and be the world tour. The um, I get I, I wonder if that's a source of if there if, again it's probably all in my imagination, but if there is a, a certain degree of disagreement between Tiger and Rory, I wonder if that's uh, that that's where it lies. That Rory and his um and his his chats in Dubai was was talking about. You know, very in very glowing terms about national opens and how much right. they mean, and taking the, the tour around the world. He was very glowing uh, about the um, about the Australian Open, which he's won in the past. Actually, Jordan Spieth has won that twice. Um, so yeah. I wouldn't imagine. I can't imagine why Jordan Spieth wouldn't want to go to Australia. Uh, having spent a month in Australia last year, my goodness, if I was a professional golfer, I could think of nothing better. Uh, so I just wonder if if that's. Uh, that's a point of uh, disagreement that uh, Rory would like to take and make golf more global. And as you say, there is a core group within uh, led by Tiger and his cronies, his acolytes, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, whoever, uh, who want to keep it very much uh, US centric. Uh, I know what I think is best for the world of golf or for the future of golf. I'm guessing you would agree with that. I mean, why not take it around the world, elevate national opens, my goodness, uh, it would be fantastic. The, the, we're back in Australia this week for the Aussie Open. I watched a fair amount of the Aussie PGA last week uh, from Brisbane. It was great television, great golf, some great players, some new names, some names that we knew. We even had Cam Smith. Did you? I don't know if you saw this. Did you see Cam Smith missed the cut by yeah. by millions, and he was c- close to tears afterwards. My goodness, it really meant something to him. I was. I found that very heartening. Uh, yeah, and he came back the next day and signed autographs, which was very yeah. cool too. But I, I do wonder, and this I think is the <clears throat> the plight for for John Rom. And again, I mean, golfers go in phases, and Cam Smith just may not be playing very well right now. But I do wonder if he's lost a little mojo playing fifty four hole events, and just just yeah, he's somebody who loves big time courses. And big stages. Yeah, I know he's a laid back, uh, easygoing Aussie, but he he really gets up for the grand stages. And uh, I think you see where Liv is going and they're going to a model of wanting to be paid to host an event. And uh, that's just that's a recipe for going to mediocre golf courses at best. And they're traveling quite a bit next year. Uh, I look to me like a little more almost than this year. And yeah, I just wonder if, if, uh, he's lost a little something going over to live, obviously his bank account is fine, but, um, and that's something for somebody like Rom to, to, uh, to ponder that said, you know, I, you know, I track the, the play, uh, the West coast and Florida leading into the masters. And there's certain events that are really telling about who's going to play well at Augusta. And look what happened this year. It seemed like the guys who came into Augusta playing the PGA tour were almost kind of beaten up and sort of, um, uh, tired almost. And the live guys came in fresher and played great. So I, I, who knows? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy game. The, um, 
Yeah, um, we had, I don't think we've, we've spoken about John Ram months ago about he seemed to be ripe for picking off uh, if, if I was a live executive. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been lots and lots of we did actually we'll let a secret out here. We recorded a podcast last week, but there was a technical issue, so we couldn't publish it. But uh, there's been lots and lots of chat over the last seven to ten days. Um, my view about Ram leaving for live at uh, 600. Can we just nail the 600 million? He's not going to get 600 million. Can you imagine? Why you know, would, we, why would from, we say that? Well, it's, we haven't said it, but it's been said. It's been yeah, but why would we don't know? Ram. Well, it's not 600 million. Come on. Why? Uh, the reason being, well, I'm going to say they gave Dustin Johnson a 125, or, or if, if ship knocks books is to be believed, 600 million will be, you'll obviously be getting. Part of whatever the number is, the uh, equity stake in this this fictional equity state and this fictional sale of a fictional franchise, sometimes some way down the line, will be included in that number. It won't be six hundred million. Here's your here's your check. It will be some kind of equity deal. It'll be packaging and all sorts of other numbers just to inflate it right. to make it look insane. He will he will obviously be in the Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau. I, you probably get more than those guys because yeah. I mean, if Ram if Ram goes, that's a that's a seismic change, isn't it? Oh, it'd be massive, and it would be a disaster for for the tour because you do feel like, no offense to Cam Smith, that he's somebody who is going to win a lot of majors and and just be around a long time and and uh, being an international player and just who he is and how he conducts himself other than the yeah. tantrums on the course. Sometimes he's, uh, it would be a, a easily their greatest uh, uh, acquisition. And I, I would say they've just freed up a billion dollars if they're not going to have this, tour deal go through so you look at that billion and and you think well they'll probably sign a few more players you know there are a lot of rumblings about this this pause and the let uh, lpga merger talks Mm. that they might be finally getting serious about women's golf which is kind of to me been inevitable just because it's so uh it would cost them so much less uh, in a lot of ways to uh to, to, to take control at least of the let so I, I I see that billion dollars being repurposed into a, a combination of things if they're moving forward and that's how things are going yeah the uh, let LPG tour uh thing was very as very interesting um I, I, lots again lots of speculation that Aramco is going to come in and essentially or the piffs going to come in and buy uh the let that would be a from an investor's perspective, that's a, that would be a great deal. Um, physically closer to the source of all the best players, you know, the Asia Pacific region is now right. producing all the best, all the best players. So you're kind of closer to them. It's uh, it's it's an absolute no-brainer from a Saudi perspective. Actually, here's a um, for people who are interested in how the Saudis operate. Uh, there's a couple of things. One, well, one thing: Newcastle United, the Saudis bought Newcastle United through the PIF. A couple of years ago, there's a really interesting documentary, uh, unintentionally interesting, I have to say. It's uh, it's basically a, a whitewash job on the Saudis taking over Newcastle United, but the way that they, they, they did it, the way that they, it's a really good insight into the way that they did it and how they operate. Um, our friend uh, Yasser is, in, is actually in, appears a lot. He's the chairman of Newcastle United. Um, he seems like a really... I can't believe I'm saying this. Pretty affable guy for somebody who's uh, best buds with a ma- with a murderer. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, he really does. Uh, very personable. Um, but the way that, again, the again, not to get too far into the the the, the weeds on uh, the English Premier League, but Newcastle United are pulling off some very shifty deals to circumnavigate the rules uh, right now. And uh, on there's there's financial controls and how club operate, uh, how clubs operate. And the Saudis, like uh, Manchester City, owned by Abu Dhabi, um, and like PSG, owned by Qatar, circumnavigating the uh, U- European football UEFA's rules on financial fair play. They're called. It's uh, really unpleasant, and it just this is you know this is the people you know they have this public facade, but you know, you know beneath behind that it's a very shady and underhand uh, way to operate. Uh, not at all edifying. I wonder, Jeff, as I'm talking. <laughs> Rory and Ram, maybe that's an alliance that you know that could go somewhere. I mean, I'm not saying Rory's obviously going to go to the Saudis, obviously not, but they seem to be they seem to be coming from the same uh, area of respect um, when it comes to the global game, national opens. Uh, uh, you know, they tend to lift their heads. I did see a report that Rory's moving has bought a house in London, um, mm. so are in the London home counties area. Uh, you just kind of wonder if. Uh, Rather than doubling down on Jordan Spieth and whoever, and Justin Thomas, the PG Tour should double down on John Ram and Rory McIlroy. Uh well, there are a lot of things the tour should do, but whether they yeah. whether they actually do them, I I think that at the with the culture of the tour that would be tough. It's it's a very uh, uh, American centric organization, and uh, they're reading the if they're reading the room, which I, I I think they probably are. They know that that seems to be the majority of the the group that uh, is now leading the charge. Of course, the danger is uh, is just le- letting players run the show, um, and then you end up getting getting memos uh, about about uh, wild cut. Sa- salmon uh will be required oh, at the yeah. signature event dining and <laughs> you get memos about the new little uh tour wife uh pavilions that the sponsors have to create on the course so they have a flushable toilet and a place to regroup after um after their husband makes triple bogey i i don't know what those things are <laughs> but um it's kind of weird too because the i i think of the modern tour wife is so much more modest and and uh low maintenance compared to the ones of the past you know where they just would have that standout they'd all have that same color of blonde and they were very high profile and uh now they're to me they're they're uh much more casual you see some out reading a book they're almost like the you know character in 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 um uh dead solid perfect uh not janie ruth the opposite of janie ruth but uh and they're um so that you know, you just go, oh boy, they're in another world when you see memos like what the tour uh, or what Josh Carpenter got out there about the demands and 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 you know, and that ultimately from Tiger's comments is what I want to know is he's talking about the integrity of the tour and yeah, so far all we've seen are the things that are coming out of these long meetings are more little perks for players. What what are we seeing that are the perks for? the sponsors, the charities and the fans, what are we, what are we seeing and hearing that's going to make sure that they are advancing what they do, keeping up with sports like uh, F1 in terms of innovation and, but to create that buzz or, or not even buzz, but to just create a sense that we're reinvesting back in what we do. 
we're building, we're building, we're, we're trying to make this better instead of just we're trying to make the lives of our players better so they don't have to go pick up laundry after the round and it's it's there in their locker provided by the sponsor. I mean, that just does not put people in the seats. The um, Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Josh Carpenter at Sports Business General. He's pulled off a series of really, you know, not earth-shattering, uh, you know, global-changing stories, but lots of really revelatory little scoops uh that yep. one beat the memo um outlining the improved conditions for P- P- pg tour players some of it was so tone deaf we'll come on to tone deaf in a bigger sense of the second jeff but some of the stuff in that was was you know wild caught salmon as opposed to farmed salmon uh, you know in player dining i mean really i mean that is just strikes me as being completely tone deaf and over the top I mean, what, can you remember what was the other stuff that was ridiculous? I, that's the one that really dawned on me because I have a I have a particular thing about salmon. But anyway, right? Go on. Well, it was just the idea that you put all that in writing. Look, uh, UCLA yeah. spends three and a half million dollars a year on food for athletes now, uh, and and they have a whole special kitchen. Uh, and nutrition's important, no question, all that. But it's the way it's put in the uh, the memo. You know, you are athletes now. It's all that that stuff. The fact that you just don't don't put it in writing. First of all, we learned they have an executive chef and a VP of food and beverage. <laughs> uh, but just put some some generic things to work. It we're really pushing sponsors to 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 make sure uh, that the, the food is of high quality uh, uh, for performance-based whatever. Just put some gobbledygook in there that doesn't... <laughs> yeah, don't put these <laughs> specifics in that... that Because cause you've had the conversations. I've had the conversations. This is continuing to chip away at their image and their likability. All the PIP, yeah. all these these things that keep coming out that are the product of... of live instead of the product of live coming along being we're, we're going to double down on what makes the pga tour great yeah we're going to make some improvements look market forces we have to do it uh everybody understands that but it's just been a drip 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 of brats 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 or uh the the perception that they are uh coddled and and uh and then some of the player comments too you know people who don't put anybody uh in the seats don't cause anybody to buy a ticket acting like they uh deserve things i mean it's all it's throughout the tour and um it, it's just so dangerous for the sport this the the accumulation of of all the money talk and and the the, the kind of signs of spoiled brat uh behavior and and the power game and i mean it's just all the things that that take away uh and and chip away at the at the uh sort of what we like about watching uh what is not the most thrilling of sports but does have so many great aspects to it and i don't know what the answer is at this point because they don't have you know the commissioners can't tell them guys this looks bad of course you know he's flying a steamboat every 20 minutes and on the jet and, and, and that's, you know, they just have had nothing but bad looks uh, for, for the last two years. Liv has really done nothing to, and, and you never hear any talk anymore about, about charity. Um, you liked my suggestion on the podcast that, uh, to, that never made it out. You know, one of these guys, one of these guys uh, on the pip who doesn't really need the money, who's doing well, uh, Take your pick. Anyway, all the guys over. I mean, well, I don't even know how Cameron Young and 
Brian Harmon got $2 million out of <laughs> they do nothing on social media except Brian Harmon shows all the animals he kills. But the the idea that not one guy has ever said, "Hey, you know what? I don't. I'm not a fan of the pip. I'm going to give uh, a big chunk to uh, charity." And yeah, you know, how great would it be if a player said, "Look, you volunteers on the PGA Tour are the only reason we're able to have a functioning event week to week." And they have to pay for their uniforms. I am buying uniforms for everybody for the year with my PIP money. Uh, just take just take it out of my account. I'm picking it up. <laughs> it's on me. Uh, and that's my way of giving back to what we do here at the tour and the people who give their time. And then that helps, you know, uh, uh, get us more volunteers of the future because we know that's something that they're worried about. Something like that. Anything. And all we get are things related to foundations. There's only one guy in golf who has a little, well, the Nicholas, the Nicholas's do some pretty cool stuff with their foundation. So there's two, the two greatest, by the way, actually have foundations that aren't just tax shelters. They aren't just ways yeah. to, yeah. Tigers actually does things. It's actually impacting lives. Uh, so the rest of them, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's just one thing after another. And I, and I don't know if they, they know this. I'm I'm not clear they're aware of it because of the, the circles they travel in. Well, uh, that's a brilliant idea, Jeff. I, that really is, right? And, uh, no offense, but you're just a jabroni with a Zoom account and a microphone and, you know, and you're getting paid nothing for yeah. that suggestion. I mean, it's not hard. No. I mean, there must be somebody on 750 grand a year at PG Tour HQ who could sit there all day and come up with 50 ideas like no. that. No, I think Absolutely. it's become clear, Lawrence. That's that's been a problem for a while. That 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 brainstorming isn't there. I mean, that just goes right back to the fact that when Liv came along, they were not ready. They didn't have in a drawer a, a, a manual to pull out and go, okay, what's our crisis management uh, response to a somebody attempting to come along and start a new tour? They just weren't ready, and I just don't think they do that kind of brainstorming. Or if they do, it's just very hard for people to to the, the environment is just not there to be that creative and that bold with, with ideas. It's, it's just generally about how can we market things better and, and look where that gets you. The, um, but it's not, live didn't have to exist for ideas like that to take root. And I mean, that's a fantastic idea. You know, when you look at the last week, we've already talked about both. You have that memo on player perks coming out of the PGA tour. And then on the other hand, you have Cam Smith, but essentially crying because he missed a cut. Um, going back the next day when he missed a cut to sign uh, sign autographs, that's another thing. But but you know one one response one is uh, relatable, authentic, and kind of attracts you to the sport of golf, and the other is entitled, awful, tone deaf. I mean these are these are not hard differences to spot. And it's quite astonishing to me that there's a, an ecosystem at PG Tour at HQ, uh, and there's no one in that ecosystem who sees this stuff and understands this stuff. Can we just talk? Because we haven't had the chance. They've been out for a week now. I mean, the PIP was just I mean, 100 million distributed on the basis of a series of social media um, metrics yeah. that nobody really kind of understands or really wants to understand. It struck me. 
I mean, I'll, I realise I'm talking a lot here, Jeff. I'll step out in a second. The uh, I just thought it was the most awful tone deaf. I mean, I kind of get it. You know, it's a free bonus for guys staying, not going to live. But it was so awful. Um, Eddie Pepperell was, I think, echoed. I think he responded to a tweet of mine saying he's just given up on on professional golf. He, you know, it's lost its way. It's lost its soul. Um, I listened to him on his podcast this week, and he kind of expanded on that. You know, it's his job. He has to do it. It's what he does. But he really doesn't have much feeling um, for for golf. And that's a guy who plainly loves golf. And I think he reflects the views of of many of us. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I mentioned it a few minutes ago. I hear it constantly now in conversations. Um, I had a conversation with somebody, um, on the, on the, on the, on the, a partner side of the, of the tour yesterday and, and, uh, just horrified by this kind of constant, um, point missing of what really, uh, got the PGA toward to this place, what makes it a little bit different than other sports, you know, the charitable aspect, sort of the variety of week to week, uh, looks of courses, towns, sponsors, et cetera. Um, they're just, um, I mean, you really sense now if, if somebody came to the, to the, to a meeting and said, look, we're just going to build some courses in Jupiter and you just, just, we're just going to have the whole tour play in Jupiter <laughs> for, for year round. You never have to leave. And they go, Hey, I like it. We'll have a landing strip for the people who don't want to live in Jupiter and it'll be 8,500 yards. Of course, we'll have a Ritz Carlton, you know, type housing on site and, Plenty of parking for the caddies and and the caddies physios and the the physios <laughs> shrinks and the yeah you know, all that and which yeah you know, that's another thing that came out in that memo they're gonna have parking for like everybody on the entourages which good luck at places like Riviera where they don't, they barely don't even have a, a parking spots for a full field but uh, so yeah it's just uh, it's a it's a mess and. I, of course, blame it on the ball going too far and too straight. All this would be changed if they were humbled a little bit more. <laughs> right. But well, uh, I want to come up. You know, I want to come up to the ball. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm only slightly kidding there, by the way. But um, yeah. So it, 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 it it's uh, and it's where and I, I just, you know, it pains me to give Tim Fincham compliments, but he 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 had that aura that put a little scare factor into guys thinking they were, they were hot stuff and they knew he was a sharp, sharp lawyer and debater. He's a weird little guy, you know, the way he'd look at you yeah. didn't say much. And, and sometimes you need that to, to keep the, uh, the asylum in order. And, and certainly Jay's just too nice to, to do that. And now commissioner tiger, we'll see what he, I mean, we know he feels strongly about cuts and, you know, he used that integrity word yesterday. We know how he feels about distance. I don't know if he feels about distance the way. No, I know he does. He wants to see the ball spin more because he knows that it's a more beautiful game. It's a more interesting game. And I think he knows that translates to something that's more fascinating to watch. So it's, it's, uh, I, I, uh, I, but you know, he's been known to kind of fall down that rat hole too of, of, uh, these things that really supposedly matter to players that don't matter one bit to the to the paying public. The um, just finally on the pip, um, my new obsession, Jeff, is uh, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. The great romance oh, is the only wow. thing that takes me out of. Uh, it takes me out. It gives of, you uh, hope. The ho <laughs> it gives us hope that, that America might survive <laughs> the current tumult. 
<laughs> I was thinking, what if you, uh, you know, again, we, I can't remember the pip numbers. I don't have them in front of us. Brian Harmon, 2 million. Colin Morikawa, oh my goodness, uh, 3 million. I mean, whatever. Uh, or even Rory, 50 million for, for what? Not for winning a Poor. social media contest. Sorry, go on. Poor Colin. All the posts with his dog and dog content, <laughs> it, it it still didn't even get him near the top 10. In fact, I think he went backwards in it. Anyway, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, I should not be taking it that seriously. Uh, but he does. He he wanted in that top 10 for good reason, I guess. Uh, he should have been fined his $3 million for allowing, himself, allowing his dog to be filmed uh, in the Netflix thing with booties on. On a private jet. I mean, that was fucking. I never swear on this podcast, but that was such a bad look. Uh, just atrocious. But um, I was thinking about it this morning as I was listening to my New Heights podcast, Travis and his brother Jason. It's a really great podcast, if, even if you're not a huge fan of the NFL. Um, and I wonder if you put uh, Travis Kelsey or even Jason Kelsey's uh, name through the metrics used for the pit. My goodness. Yeah. Um, Travis Kelsey gets paid $13 million a year for um, for playing NFL football um, for the Kansas City Chiefs, which is $2 million less than Rory got for winning uh, a social media engagement yeah, uh, contest nice. that nobody understands. It's absolutely insane. And again, we need people keeping it on about getting paid NFL money. Um, my goodness, uh, it's uh, completely got just totally out of hand. As I say, if you put Travis Kelsey's um, name through the social media metrics the, the machine would explode uh, and everybody involved in the piff would probably apart from tiger would hand their money back in embarrassment really mm. awful stuff um we should move on jeff we should uh, yeah. one other thing i wanted uh, to, to bring you um to speak to you about was uh martin slumbers uh was quoted in golf digest last week i thought this was a big story but you you seem to think it was uh another version of uh what he said before uh, essentially, there'll be a decision on the on the ball, on the rollback before the end of the year. I was that took me. I didn't realize it was upon us so quickly. Yeah, there was a story. Uh, Golf Monthly was the first one to to write it. Uh, somebody spoke to him down in Australia at the at the Asia Pacific Amateur, and I it was noteworthy. And I I kind of been sitting on it because um, I wanted to see. And now you know he spoke to John Huggin, and so he kind of gave the same three options they have which is doing nothing the local rule or uh, uh testing that would incorporate that would just apply to everybody and that was that was a new twist as you look at this comment period we've gone through they have presented options they've whittled them down they've thrown things out and in a way, it appeared he put something back on the table. But, of course, we know he put that back on the table because the PGA Tour and the PGA of America whined like crazy about the idea of the clunkiness. And I, I don't think they were totally wrong of a, of a, a bifurcated game with a local rule. Uh, where, does it, where do you draw the line? Does it start in college golf? Does it start in junior golf? All that stuff. So it sounds like they're about to call their bluff and say, okay. And, 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 you know, you saw the reaction. It's brutal. It's pitiful. It's pain, painful. And it's hard to gauge with Twitter now. But um, you you also, we have to see the details. Let's see the details. But I'm very confident that they have come up with a, a testing parameter that will not impact uh, the majority of golfers. But whether that is something that people can mentally wrap their head around and the companies 
I don't know. Everything is just so it's about uh, longer and straighter and uh, that's all they know how to market. So we'll see. I, but I do think it's now apparent that they've, they've, uh, they, they listen to the feedback <laughs> and they're going to so, throw it right back at you. Okay, fine. We'll do, a, we'll do. A, and I think rollback's a rough word because I don't think distance will be rolled back for a majority of golfers. I think it's just a, a small number. Um, so, but we've seen the marketing strength of these companies and the narcissism of so many golfers. I mean, you saw some of the, I'm going to stock up on balls. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> the, the people, the number of people that are going to quit the game and you just want to get, you, what, what, what are you getting at there? High eighties, low nineties in the swing speed, buddy, it got bad news for you. you you're, you're not, you're not getting the benefits from this stuff that you should uh compared to a pro and you're not going to notice a difference because they're not really trying to make the ball move more what which is what tiger would like to see more spin they're just they're just trying to have it not go as far and by the way the pga tour driving distance average went up again this year uh i i forgot the final number i got i'm putting it together over 40 percent of drives were over 300 yards i believe so yeah uh, that's ins- that, those are just insane numbers from when they supposedly drew the line. So they they have to do something, and uh, we'll just watch, sit back, and listen to all the all the moaning. But let's just see the details first. <laughs> um, so so you speak fluent slumbers, uh, Jeff. So I'm going to read you this quote, and you tell our listeners exactly what what he's, what he means. And uh, our responsibility is to the long term future of the game, along with the USGA, the RNA as a custodian. We're responsible for our period of time, something that's gone on for hundreds of years and will go on for hundreds more. So we are listening and we have made a decision about what we're going to do. We're working that through at the moment and we'll make public before the end of the year. So you tell me that there'll be what again, I used to if this come stuff comes in my head and goes out of it. Um, the way they'll test the balls will increase the sweat. I can't remember what the bloody thing is again. Anyway, so it'll be a, well, if we don't say a general rollback, what we're going to call it. What can we call uh, updated? Well, I don't want to get into McKinsey speak or something here, but updated <laughs> testing protocols. Uh, <laughs> or I mean, because it really won't be a rollback for most people. Uh, it will be a it will be new testing numbers and updated, modernized testing. I'm sure they'll come up with a lot of words and people won't like it. But the key, the key, and I've been trying to get my hands on this, and and I can't get it because. The data is is there, I know, and the uh in, in the confines of the RNA and the USGA. But we know from Fred Ridley, there is a chart of swing speeds and and what you would see happen to your distance under the under the proposed testing that they at least put out before. And, and they might tweak that, by the way. I think the swing speed number was 127. They yeah, who knows? They may this this comment period. The whole point of the comment period was to take the input. It was the Vancouver protocols, and they followed it absolutely to a T. They've been so careful, the RNA, USGA, USGA, so careful that I can't get anything that I tried to get on these numbers. But we know Fred has seen this chart, and he told that group of high school students that's on on YouTube uh, from his office that uh, he would lose, uh, he thought, uh, maybe six yards um, with his his swing speed, and he didn't have a problem with that off his drives. But I do think you're, you know, he's a guy who's what he's seventy. Uh, 
he called himself still a good player, but he certainly doesn't swing as hard as he used to. And he certainly didn't grow up on modern equipment and swing the way guys do now. He's probably uh, well way behind a lot of people. So, yeah, you're probably talking 25 yards for for top players, potentially, or 20 yards. Uh, Great. But I want to see the numbers that show uh, people that when they're at a certain number, they're not going to be impacted. That's the key to how they sell this. And whether they can do that, I don't know. It's a tough, tough sell, as you just see from the reaction of just that comment you just read from Slumbers. Yeah. The the histrionics were unbelievable. Can you game it out for me, Jeff? So the announcement comes. It is a different swing per testing parameters or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, what happens after that? There's obviously the public outrage from Justin Thomas or whoever, whoever right. spoiled brats. Right. All the Titleist uh, people will be mangry. Yeah. 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 Um, well, it's a matter of how does the USGA and the RNA explain why they're doing this. Um, and and, and I, I bent their ears this year, various people who were kind enough to ask. And, and they took, every, by the way, I asked everything that's written, they add to the comment. <laughs> Because I said, do I need to submit a letter or a compilation of my articles for the comment? And uh, uh, Beth Major at the USU went, oh, no, oh, no, it's already been it's already been. uh..." So they took a lot of comments. So it's going to be really interesting to see if they share some of the feedback they got Um, that that for starters, I think, would be really interesting. Um, But, you know, I've argued with some of these people, good natured arguments. But I just say, look, I, I. I obviously came to this as an architecture fan and what it does to architecture. And you saw at LA country club this year, you know, uh, how people couldn't get close to the action because so many back tees and we knew that was going to be a problem. And, and and that's a a spectating issue. But I, I, I said, why don't you ever talk about safety issues, driving range issues of, of ranges becoming outdated? Uh, Why don't you ever talk about uh, the, the beyond skill, the, the physical impact of, of a game being about pursuing speed. Why won't you do that? Um, and I just, I just think that they uh, it's, it's such a big topic that a lot of people don't wrap their head around those side effects. And that's where somebody like tiger would be great. If he would chime in on that Jack Nicholas has, but they all kind of write him off, even though he's, you know, the greatest player of all time and he's designed courses and he's been very consistent on this topic for 40 years, at least. Um, so I think that they, it's just how they roll it out, what information they share and then how much the companies decide to, uh, to, to just spread misinformation and send text messages to players and tell them how this is the end of the world. But I, I got to tell you, I think that it's what we were talking about earlier. It feeds more of this narrative that they're spoiled brats because it's like, yeah. well, any casual fan knows you guys hit it a, a, a so far now and you get such benefits from this equipment. Yeah, how many guys will step step up and, and, and you know to their credit, some do say when they when they go, look, I don't agree with this, but you know what? It's my job to figure it out. I'll play whatever I have to play. Uh, I'm here to I'm here to win tournaments and play. There's a few guys who say those kinds of things, so we'll see. But I think there's a danger for them, and that's again where I think Jay has has just done a horrible job uh, in not conveying to them how bad it sounds when they whine about losing 
eight yards or something. And, um, and he's done a horrible job of not understanding. And I argued this with him, uh, what it means to the way their product is played. And, uh, I mean, I just read a great piece. I don't know if you saw Jason Stark went through the baseball rule changes this year and it's fantastic because it just gets into, uh, everything they, they, wanted to accomplish happened which is amazing that doesn't always happen in in rule uh changes but i want to read you quick quote i know i've been talking too much here but i want to read you one quick quote from the piece theo epstein the the great gm of the the red sox and the cubs who who left the that world to to work for major league baseball and really was the person who as i understand it and most stories seem to convey uh uh oversaw this the implementation of these these rules it started a little under joe tory um but this is what he said about about baseball and i think if you listen to this it, it sounds like golf too uh quote i don't think anybody realized quite how far it had gotten away from us epstein said because that's the nature of creep when it happens a little bit each year for 10 plus years you kind of just get used to it and then when it moves back all of a sudden to the way it's supposed to be then you realize how abnormal it had gotten. So it was a welcome correction and certainly much more fun watching games. I mean, that to me is what has happened in golf. It's gotten so ridiculous. <laughs> I think yeah. people have, have kind of lost sight of, of uh, how out of control it is and, and how it's just thrown the game out of whack and what's, what's important. And then there's of course all the architecture stuff and, yeah, I, I want to come. I want to ask you. I've got a couple <laughs> of things, and then I want to come back to you. I want to ask you something else. So, two things, two anecdotes. Uh, what pal of mine was um, recently chatting to. I've been trying to anonymize all of this. Uh, one of the world's leading amateurs who's had pretty serious injury issues, mm -hmm. and uh, and the conversation went along the lines of, "What do you think it was? What do you think happened?" And essentially, the player agreed that you know perhaps he put far too much emphasis on speed, mm. uh, swinging too hard when he was too young in his development years, and here he is at the you know still got a huge future in front of him, but has very serious back issues mm. um, at, at a young age. Uh, I would love to see a, a, a graph, of, uh, you know, on one axis uh, injuries and on the other axis swing speed. And I guarantee you, the higher the swing speed, the more propensity to injuries. Absolutely no question about that. And, you know, there's all sorts of responsibilities for that. Teachers, there's a group of teachers who have been teaching speed for years. Um, yep. These people should be lo locked up for that nonsense. Absolute crap. There's a few uh, social media influencers gone. Their feeds are entirely about speed uh, with no reference to injuries. Just, you know, all these kids falling along like lemons and and finding out you know when they get to their you know prime development years they're bloody injured and they can't play yep. the other thing is, is having spent a summer traveling around on the spoiled brat golf tour to these elite amateur events um well you turn up for the british or the british sorry i'll get jailed for that the amateur championship and you find that no drivers allowed on the driving range because guess what <laughs> driving range isn't it's, it's true um so you, you're, well you know but you're these elite <laughs> amateurs are preparing to go and play know, the amateur championship and they can't hit drivers on the driving range my goodness yeah. um this, it was the same at the european amateur in in uh, estonia uh Parnu bay country club nice course actually um but again i think the winning score there was well firstly 
that you couldn't hit drivers on the driving range. Um, the the most you could hit probably, was, you know, was three or four iron. You just can't. Otherwise, the ball's in the reeds at the far end of the of the driving range. And you get out in the golf course and it's 6,800 yards and the winning score. Hey, presto, is 33 under par or 32 under par. Yeah. I mean, it just makes an absolute farce of the game. Not enjoyable for, for anybody. Uh, the only people who will get any chance of winning are the guys who are driving four or five greens. Um, again, you even look at the Open Championship. I mean, oh God, you could go on. I mean, the 18th hole at the old course, iconic. And the Walker Cup this year was a par, a par three and a quarter. Gordon yeah. Sargent hit a three wood into the 18th in the old course. I mean, it, it would make you cry, Jeff. It's just awful. Anyway, I, my final question to you, I want you, uh, for the layperson like me, you know, what does a, if this new ball comes in and comes back into the game, what am I going to be watching that's different to what I'm watching today? In theory, if it's done correctly, you're going to see uh, some longer clubs hit into holes. You're going to see uh, a drivable par four mean something again, or a reachable par five maybe re mean something again. I, I'm I'm still not optimistic that even taking 20 yards off off their drives will do that. Uh, it may just put a long iron into their hands going for the par five instead of a short iron, which we're starting to see so much of, um, and which is why I think the driver should have been – they shouldn't have dropped the driver component to this, which was going to be changing the face dynamics potentially. But, again, that was under a, a – bifurcated model local rule thing that was going to be difficult to enforce as well. So I think you're going to see that. Um, one would hope you would see a little less emphasis on uh, swinging as hard as you can. There are some people who say, well, it'll make it worse because it'll make certain people press even harder for distance. But I think we we know with TrackMan, the modern equipment, that, that, the, that, that the players have been able to get a lot out of this technology without really having to change what they do physically. And so the adjustment will need to be made for them, which won't take very long. I don't think, and unless this ball is really strange uh, or the new ball testing spec creates strange golf balls. But I think you'll, you'll see a, I would hope you'll see a, a more relatable game. And then I would hope you'll see a slightly faster game because they're just you just have fields where everybody can drive the 18th at the old course or so the 10th at Riviera is a is a three wood par three now that that adds 15 minutes of weight, uh, par fives that everybody can reach. Maybe now only a third of the field could reach it, again if this is done right. That speeds up play. Also, by the way, actually rewards somebody who is truly long, and I think that's the thing that a lot of people always forget in this is that. We want somebody who is genuinely long and straight to be rewarded for their skill. And and that's where we know what Rory finally came around, uh, realizing there's so many people. I mean, he, that, is, that is the strength of his game. That has been the strength of most of the greatest players of all time when they're on, long and, and, and accurate and able to move the ball a little bit and all that. And that's been... Uh, that's been eroded. I'm not going to say it's been taken away, but it's definitely been chipped away at as a key skill. And, uh, and I, I, you know, my dream ultimately is I just want to see a lot of different types of people and players again and different ways to get the ball in the hole. I just think it's a more beautiful sport. Uh, and I hate to keep going back to the Fred couples and Corey Pavin analogy, but 
you know, that those two were equals, uh, that's those days are gone. That a Luke Donald yeah. could be an equal uh, with with uh, uh, you know Ernie Els when they were both in their at their peak powers. Uh, that was kind of the last of that that type of dichotomy uh, between two very good players at the same time. Um, and uh, I think it'd be nice to have that back and not and not have people thinking you have to be six two and and taller uh, to make it on the PGA Tour. That's absurd. That's the beauty of our sport is that it's there's different ways to get the ball in the hole. Yeah. I remember talking to Rory uh, when he showed up at the Fortnite. Remember that rule? If you got a release, you had to show up at one of their weaker events. I think that week at um, up at Silverado, I think Rory, the longest club he hit on a par four with his approach was a nine iron. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, it's just unwatchable, isn't it? I think it's a more well, and that's the question I always have is is I I think we see players kind of bored by the game, and they don't understand that that it gets a little boring to play because of this. They don't understand that that because you the game is still is never easy, no matter how good you get and how many birdies you make. Although there've been a lot of scoring records broken recently, which we've always been told was never happening. So why change anything? But I do think there is a satisfaction in, in overcoming something, you know, just that, just driving it at the green and having it just trickle on and, and, and just getting over the Creek and two on a par five, there's a thrill in that. That's kind of been lost for most of these guys. Um, And whether I don't think they're aware of it, or it's maybe as a competitor, it's not something that they dream about. Uh, but once they kind of see it back again and see how it works, I, I would hope the game actually becomes more enjoyable. I know that's hard for people to understand that if it seems like it gets a little more difficult, it's it's actually a, a more enjoyable game. But I just I just sense the the it's become a putting contest now. They all they all uh, render courses so often to be short and and uh overwhelmed and so it comes down to who makes makes the putts and that's not what we want we want it to be a combination of things yeah um you also left off all the architectural benefits you forgot about those well i, I mean, just it's, to, i guess my point is that that i think people just kind of have written off no matter how many times you make the case they are so they are so hooked on buying distance that they just don't want to hear that but yeah there's no question those are those are key, but I think safety and, and, and what it does to people physically is, is where they have, because I've, I've, as you know, I argue this with people all the time. And when I bring those points up, I almost always get the same thing. You know, people I don't know and, or who haven't read stuff I've ran and raved about, they go, Oh, well, why don't they say that? Why don't they ever point that stuff out? I'm like, yeah, well, <laughs> I agree. I've never heard it meant to put that way. And, and I think I told you when I put it out there that if they did this ball and it has this more extreme effect on the long hitter, long hitters, let's say the the elite golfers, uh, that it that it would allow places to not have limited flight balls because a lot of places just do that for for a certain number of people. Uh, the places that have really nice range balls and pyramids and all that stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, by the way, the women in the U.S. Amateur this summer, I know I'm, I'm repeating myself on this podcast, but I want to drive the point home again. Drove the ball unbelievably, uh, played incredible golf at Bel Air, 
and they warmed up on that range with limited flight balls. So, you know, we, we, some of this pampering and stuff has just gotten out of control. They can handle it. They can handle the adjustments. They can handle, they've got track mans now. There's, it's just, it's just not going to be a big adjustment. I just don't, I just worry that whatever they're proposing won't be enough to impact the things the way we hope. Um, so maybe commissioner tiger will, will, uh, support them on the, on the driver yeah. being next. Good stuff, Jeff. I think uh, any other, I don't think there's any other business. We've probably talked long enough. Uh, yeah. Great I think we've to talked to you. Uh, yeah. We've covered it all. I think. Uh, yeah. The, um... I, uh, got some notes coming in the newsletter. Nothing. Uh, oh, a quick, two quick shout outs. One, uh, Rest in peace to Eddie Marins, a great little pro who started the Friends of Golf, which uh, has raised over $10 million for college golf in Southern California. Not just for UCLA, by the way. Uh, he started that fundraiser for all college programs in Southern California, and it benefits uh, – I shouldn't just limit it to Southern California. I shouldn't say that because um, I do think it goes beyond. But anyway, the point is – Quite a character in the game. Great player, longtime pro. One of only three pros Bel Air's ever had. The little pro, great man. And David Rickman is retiring from the RNA. One of the real characters. Oh, if you're wow. if you're at a tournament um, and and you uh, think that that the RNA's uh, head rules man is is what you think he is, he's not. He's a lovely, affable, uh, smart, funny guy. And I'm 37 years at the RNA is enough. He's done a great job, and I'm I'm really happy that he's going to get to retire uh, with his sanity and play a lot of golf. And <laughs> he's going to finish his career, according to the uh, press release, uh, refereeing the Women's Open at St. Andrews in the town where he was born. So good for David Rickman. Yeah, a really uh, top guy, uh, very approachable, even if he thought you were ignor an ignoramus, which <laughs> I, think, I think that's what you thought I was. Well, that's, okay. <laughs> that's a great, but that's a great point because so many people who are rules of golf experts can can really make you feel little. And um, you're absolutely right. Like I said, if you were at a tournament, you know, there's certain people. Mark Russell had this gift. Uh, some average fan would walk up to him. And, of course, half the time they'd go up to him and go, hey, Slugger, how you doing? But they could ask him <laughs> a rules right. question, and he would answer it. And David Rickman's that kind of guy, too. He'll he'll explain it to you. And, and, and you know, some of those rules people aren't quite so uh, so generous with their, uh, their time or their sympathy for your lack of uh, knowledge of the rules of golf. I can't believe he's of retiring age. He's, I know. He, he looks so young. <laughs> Thirty-seven so years, though I, that's yeah. uh, that's that's enough. That's enough meetings. That man has sat in a lot of meetings. And by the way, he's going to have a busy last year trying to sell this uh, this this rules change. And again, he would be somebody who would be really good for them to have out front talking about these things. I think uh, so. We'll see. You know, I think the technical side has to be explained. I think uh, a lot of things. And by the way, I believe. Uh, USGA president Fred uh, Propal will be a great advocate on this front too. I, I didn't, I finally got to speak to him a little bit and he's a, an architect, a, not a golf architect, but a building architect. And we had some really interesting chats about uh, what it means to a golf course when you, you make changes for, for, for uh, distance and, and, and that walk in the park element that's been kind of butchered by, by just the over, expansion of the scale of golf so i hope he's uh i hope he's uh, out there uh for the usga talking about this as well right we're gonna wrap uh, it up um have a great retirement david rickman jeff i will speak to you soon all the best all right thanks lawrence